is a Kansas memory, the Kansas State Historical Society Library and Archives podcast, featuring glimpses of Kansas history from documents in our collection. By the spring of 1856, the violence between pro-slavery and anti-slavery or free state groups in Kansas Territory was escalating. After the election of a pro-slavery territorial legislature in 1855, an election the Free Staters said was rigged, the Free Staters held their own constitutional convention in Topeka and elected Charles Robinson of Lawrence as their governor. The anti-slavery government was not recognized in Washington, D.C. Governor Robinson and many of the Free State leaders were arrested for treason. The town of Lawrence was viewed as a hotbed of Free State resistance. The Eldridge Hotel there was initially the headquarters of the New England Immigrant Aid Society, which organized and financed incoming parties of Free State settlers to Kansas Territory. Sheriff Samuel J. Jones of Douglas County, a pro-slavery supporter, was shot while serving warrants on April 23rd in Lawrence. The U.S. District Court met in May 1856 at Lecompton, the pro-slavery territorial capital, and issued writs ordering the destruction of the Eldridge House and the two anti-slavery newspapers in Lawrence. Sheriff Jones returned to Lawrence with U.S. Marshal J.B. Donaldson and a large force of men from southern states marching under a Southern Rights banner. One of the men they arrested in Lawrence was George Washington Brown, editor of the Herald of Freedom, the newspaper of the New England Immigrant Aid Company. He sent this letter to his mother from Kansas City the week before his arrest. My dear mother, you will have learned, ere this, that I am envisioned by a party of desperados who seek my life. I know not what my destiny may be, but be assured you will have no cause to blush for the conduct of your son. Lois will show you my letter detailing my condition and my friend who bears this to Lawrence will give you particulars. I have made arrangements or rather given directions for the continuance of the Herald of Freedom in case my connection with it shall cease. My labor has been to extend the area of human freedom, and if it is mine to die at the hands of a mob, remember that the press which promulgates my sentiments is speaking my voice. If I have property or friend, let them join hands in keeping the herald afloat. No relative of mine will claim any interest in my property so long as it can be used in the promulgation of the rights. Thanking you, my dear mother, for the principles of truth which you incubated in my youthful mind, and trusting that I shall meet you to receive your love, I am, with fondest recollections, your faithful and devoted son, G.W. Brown. Kansas City, Missouri, May 13, 1856. Jones's men entered the town on May 21st. The Free State leaders in Lawrence that day thought non-resistance would be their wisest course of action and turned down offers of armed assistance. But after destroying the newspaper offices and the Eldridge House, the soldiers vandalized and looted the entire town, leaving the residents destitute. Accounts of Jones's sack of Lawrence galvanized Free State support in New England. Oscar Lernard of Lawrence wrote this account of the raid in his letter of May 23rd. Dear friends, tired and worn, I can only write you briefly to assure you of my safety after the fearful disaster to which this unfortunate town has been subjected, rumors of which will undoubtedly reach you in advance of this. I cannot enter into a detailed account now but I will give you a sketch of the scene which, unparalleled as it is in the history of this country, I am well aware will excite much feeling and indignation. 
Since the shooting of Jones, which proved to be no serious affair, as he has again assumed the duties of the responsible post of Sheriff of Douglas County and the attempt at arrest of Governor Reeder, the U.S. Marshal and Shannon have been diligently engaged in assembling a posse of recent immigrants from the South, also Missouri, for the enforcement of the laws. For days they were encamped, several hundred in number in this vicinity, engaged in robbery of every degree, attended with some sacrifice of life. After renewed threats on their part, and every possible on ours, to avert the impending catastrophe, not that we feared them, but that we were anxious to save a collision and further to show the world that we had no disposition to thwart the action of the U.S. authorities. Day before yesterday, May the 21st, let the day be remembered in years to come as the scene of the grossest outrage ever perpetrated under the cover of war. At daybreak, a large force were in possession of a height that commands the town, which during the forenoon was augmented to some six or eight hundred in number armed with U.S. arms furnished by Shannon with banners upon which were inscribed slavery for Kansas and such like insignia. Our citizens, for we had no others in town, having refused to accept the assistance of nearly 1,000 men proffered us from different parts of the territory, determined to make no show of resistance to the U.S. authorities and thus give the lie to the base slanders of our disloyalty. About noon the marshal came into town and made some arrests without disturbance. Returning to camp, the marshal informed the mob that his business was done and Sheriff Jones was in command, whereupon said Jones marched into town and demanded a surrender of all the arms, public and private, in town. Not waiting for a reply, he ordered all the forces marched into the town. D.R. Atchison made a speech. Four cannons were planted in the principal street and the sack commenced. The Free State Hotel and the printing, having been indicted as nuisances by Judge LeCompte, were made the first subject of their vengeance. The former was first battered with the guns. That failing, an attempt to blow it up with like success. It was then fired. It cost $20,000 and was just finished. Both presses were thrown into the Kansas River. Every house in town was plundered and the women and children driven off. I cannot enlarge further as I am entirely exhausted. We do not despair of success. Indeed, we are more confident than ever. We are making arrangements to redress our own wrongs. I have been this day commissioned to an important task which when performed, I think of paying a hasty visit to the States, perhaps to Vermont. You need have no concern for me, as I am safe. Oscar E. Lenard, Lawrence, Kansas Territory, May 23, 1856. Tensions rose during the summer of 1856 and Lawrence residents sent a panicked letter east attempting to convey how precarious their position was. The National Kansas Committee printed a circular that included their letter and an appeal for help. The committee's secretary, H.B. Hurd, declared Kansas to be in a state of open war. These are excerpts from the August 13, 1856 circular. Kansas, help, help! Since the attack upon Lawrence of May 21st last, with the exception of a few skirmishes, matters in the territory have remained in comparative quiet. The presence of the government troops, 
which it secured to impose a check upon the designs of our enemies, has served them with an opportunity to make more extensive preparations. Provisions, arms, both guns and cannon and ammunition, have been severally introduced into and stored in different parts of the territory. Bands of from 50 to 200 men each from Missouri and the South are fortifying themselves in a continuous line through the settled portions of the territory in readiness for a simultaneous descent by night upon our scattered and defenseless people. We must have immediate help. The hordes from Missouri and other parts of the South will be in upon us. We shall stand by our homes to the last. On a personal level, settler E.S. Whitney pledged her and her husband's own resolve after the attack on Lawrence in these passages from a letter written to her uncle Hiram Hill on August 20, 1856. We have not been personally disturbed since we came into the territory and I think are very fortunate. We moved onto our claim the week before the sacking of Lawrence. We live in sight a half mile from the California road and saw the ruffians as they went down to destroy the hotel. They camped the night before about a half mile from us and the next day we saw three of them as they rifled Mr. Newt's house of what they pleased. My husband immediately loaded his guns and revolver so as to give them a warm reception if they made us a visit. But they have not molested us. I am not sorry yet that I came to Kansas. If we are to become martyrs to freedom, we never can die in a juster cause. And there is such an opportunity of doing good here if a person only has the disposition. The day after the devastation of Lawrence, Senator Charles Sumner of Massachusetts spoke to the U.S. Senate about the crime against Kansas. In retaliation, Representative Preston Brooks, a relative of Senator Butler of South Carolina, whom Sumner had maligned, severely beat Sumner with a cane on the Senate floor. Both men were hailed as heroes by their supporters. On May 24th, a group of Free State men led by abolitionist John Brown slaughtered five pro-slavery men on Pottawatomie Creek in retaliation for the Lawrence Raid. More armed confrontations along the Kansas-Missouri border followed that year. Additional Free State settlers headed for Kansas Territory as northern outrage grew. Hopes for resolving the slavery issue peaceably were considerably dimmer from this point on. This has been a Kansas Memory, a Kansas State Historical Society Library and Archives podcast. The documents used in this podcast are part of Territorial Kansas Online, a virtual repository of primary sources from the Bleeding Kansas era. The URL for the website is www.territorialkansasonline.org. Thank you.